Oh, hello, beloved. Hi. I know, it's been a while. I'm happy to hear you and be with you too. It's been way too long. Guys, when I tell you that in the past month and a half, I have gone deep into hermit mode, and what I mean by hermit mode is taking time for myself, which sounds absolutely magical and crazy and like, who does that, right? (laughs) But really, um, I had to go into a season of really practicing what I preach. Like when, when I tell people, if you're burning out, take a break. If something's not bringing you joy, don't do it. And it's not that um, making content doesn't bring me joy, it's that I felt like I had so many other things on my plate. And so some things that transpired in the past couple months, I got really sick, not with COVID, thank you God. Uh, I got, uh, I developed colitis, which is an inflammation of you know, stuff in your digestive system. It's real yucky. I don't wish it upon anybody. Maybe my worst enemy, actually. I would wish it upon Trump. Actually, no, I don't want to say that because I'm not trying to have a curse rebound on me. You know what I'm saying? I'm a good witch, not a bad bitch. Oh, what? (laughs) Anyways, I got really sick. I had to go to the hospital and I think it was um, a lot more uh, mentally triggering and traumatic than I thought, like my whole body was reacting and trying to maintain some kind of stability and I had some weird food issues come up, some compulsive eating behaviors that I've never dealt with before. And so uh, I took that to my therapist and basically the conclusion I came to is that like maybe I need to just give myself a break for once and allow myself to just like, you know, I was finishing up graduate school, I needed to heal. And then I think I just needed some time to take care of me which sounds crazy, right? Like, so I actually did what I talk about all the time is I said, you know what? I'm just going to put a pause on making content right now because I just, I can't do it. I'm moving right now. I have a really huge client load, um, which was great. I'm very happy for all of these things that have transpired. Um, But I also knew that like taking this break would allow me to come back with more vision and more focus. So the break I took was actually, I think, the best thing I could have done for both this podcast and all of my content and all the things going forward because I actually feel like I've got a unified vision for everything I'm doing now, which feels incredible and really exciting. And when I tell you, the Lord's timing! Oh my God. Uh, I, today, mm, Jesus, hallelujah. Here's the deal. Today, we're back on the podcast. And my guest today on A Tiny Revolution is Rosella Ide White. And as I was listening back through this conversation, we even say it at the very beginning, we we started the call and then it got disconnected and got really weird and we couldn't figure out what was going on. And then we noted that, you know what? This means that we're about to have a a, a shift, a conversation that's gonna shift things. And we did, and then all my life started to fall, not really fall apart, like I needed to take a break. And so now I'm getting back on the horse to start producing content again and all that shit. Anyways, this conversation, y'all, excuse me. Y'all, when I tell you, when I tell you uh, 
this conversation just, it blessed my soul and its timing is right on time. Like, I don't know how to like tell you beyond like the Lord, just lining things up perfectly when they need to be. Come on, can I get a witness? Before we get into the conversation, I wanna tell you about a couple of their announcements. I have, um, I just wanna say thank you to all the humans out there who have been purchasing uh, Bad Theology Kills. It's still going and it's really steady in sales and like how it's growing. So um, in July, I'm gonna be doing this thing called the Bad Theology Kills Giveaway Giveaway. Um, so I am gonna be sending out, I think like, oh, I don't know, maybe like 30 copies of my book for free to people. But the rule is um, you, um, you get the book, you read it, you highlight it, you write whatever you find is interesting, and then you have to give it to the next person. And then you have to give it to the next, that person, when they're done with it, they have to give it to the next person. Because um, ideas are stronger when they're shared. And I think that by doing it this way, um, we get this, this life-giving message, ironically, that bad theology kills and that another way is possible. Um, we get that message in the hands of more people. So if you're interested in that, please tweet at me. Let me know that you're down. Um, join my mailing list so you can be a part of that. Um, I'm excited about that project um, because why the, why the hell not? You know what I'm saying? It's just very exciting. Anyways, uh, that's one thing. Another thing I want to let you know is um, just kind of in response to all of the things that have been going on in the world, namely the uprising that's happening around Black Lives Matter and the murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Elijah McClain. Um, you know, the names are, there's too many, first of all. <sighs> Deep breath, we can all do this. Um, but I was thinking about how I structure my business and how I give help people have access to different tools. And so, couple things I wanted to let you know is that um, on my Patreon, I've got this thing called the Monday morning uh, email club, and it usually comes out on Tuesday mornings. But what I've been doing and I'm going to continue to be doing is um, just coming to you with some spiritual little drops here and there, some things to help you out. So if that's something that you're looking for community on, more resources on, that's a perk. We've got weekly workshops that are now a part of, or sorry, not weekly, monthly workshops. Lord, if I had to do a weekly workshop, tear my eyes out. Too much. We have monthly workshops that are available as part of the perks, um, and then additionally, I um, there's a group coaching program that I've been developing for a while, which is super exciting. So if you think that you've been interested in reconstructing faith or like getting rid of that last little bit of shame, um, I want you to go to my website, check out all the details there, um, and just get on a call with me. I think it'd be fun. Uh, last thing, um, as far as restructuring my business uh, in the wake of trying to be more equitable and give people more access, is that um, my tarot card readings and spiritual coaching sessions are now on a sliding scale. Um, so if you are have been somebody out there and you've been looking to do some reconnecting spiritually, getting some direction, or just like being able to process some of your stuff, set up a call with me and let's get some, you know, let's use some of our intuitive practices to get into the spirit and ask what's the next right thing? How do I get free from this bullshit? How do I ground myself in the present? Um, 
yeah, it's on a sliding scale. All that information is over on my website. And if you need to be on like, you want to pay in installments, shoot me a message because I can do that. We believe in equity. We believe in giving people access. Um, and at the same time, we also believe in making sure we're getting compensated because that's how it works. We have to make sure we're taking care of ourselves so we can take care of everybody else. So I think that's all of my personal announcements. Um, just be on the lookout for some new projects coming up. It's gonna be a lot of fucking fun. Okay, enough about me. Let me tell you about this woman who, like I said earlier, she gonna take us to church. It's the beautiful, the talented, the just like phenomenal Rosella Ide White. Uh, Rosella Ide White is a theologian, a spiritual life coach, leadership consultant, inspirational speaker, and a writer. She believes in nurturing life, giving love in this world and combating the lie of scarcity. So many of us live in the fear that we're not being enough, not enough time and not enough resources, not enough love. And this leads us to disconnect from ourselves and from each other. All of Rosella's work and resources are focused on helping everybody fall more deeply in love with themselves and share this love in others that lead to creativity, liberation, and sustenance. She believes that this way of being leads us all to uncover what is meaningful. And then we are empowered to create our, and live our most meaningful lives. Um, she is, uh, she's got coaching services. She does um, women's retreats. She's got upcoming events. And she also is the author of Love Big, which we're going to get into in this interview. Rosella, I can't tell you how thankful I am for you. Uh, you just, you're such a pioneer for so many and just like you have the language that she gives here y'all oh um being a coach myself being able to talk about coaching with somebody else and just like really just like play around with ideas we go in y'all we really do so i hope you enjoy this conversation please if you like rosella's work check out her stuff at rosellahwhite.com don't forget the middle initial rosella h white um so enjoy, yeah, grab yourself something to drink, grab yourself, uh, you know, maybe uh, a breakfast burrito, if it's that kind of time for you, or maybe grab yourself a mid-afternoon smoothie, if that's what you're into. Um, but if you haven't taken your meds today, make sure you do that. That's what I need to go do, actually. Thank you for reminding me, y'all. Anyways, this is my conversation with Rosella Ide White. Enjoy, y'all. I think I don't know sometimes it, it's never done that before so of course it would never done that before on like now because of course it would happen now <laughs> so that means that we're about to have a conversation that's about to like Ooh. shift and change yes you like, know what because the devil is trying to stop the word of God come some, on somebody I mean something I don't know if it's Oof. the devil if it's energy if it's malevolent mm. forces I don't know but it's something Listen, no weapon formed against us can stand. So. Yes, yes. Mm, okay, so before I dropped off the line, um, I was saying so much of your work I see uh, reflected in 
your like both in your book and both in like your messaging that we've forgotten that we've really belonged to each other. Yes. And that culminated in the writing of your first big old book called Love Big: The Power of Revolutionary Relationships to Heal the World. And so let's start with that and we'll pick around that and then we'll just keep going. So tell tell me about Love Big. What inspired it? What is it? Who's it for? Yeah. All that stuff. So Love Big was inspired by my life from the standpoint of I've always been someone who has, whether it's naively or optimistically or foolishly, believed that love is the answer. Mm. Um, and I have been teased my entire life for my sensitivity, for my infatuation with love um, and not just romantic love. Like, right. You know, the way that I talk about love in the book is that love exists where creativity, liberation and sustenance for the mind, heart, body and soul are present. And so I have always been infatuated with love and mm. especially love, not as feeling, but love as action yes. and love in ways that ripples out from ourselves to others, um, to the world. And again, creating energy that shifts people's lives, shifts people's perspective, shifts the way that people embody what they say they value. Mm. So that's, I mean, that's where it came from. That's um, been a core piece of who I am my entire life. It's been a, the core of who I am. And when I wrote it, I, you know, when I was working on it, I was trying to figure out who is it for, because I want it to be for everyone. And, you know, they tell us and, you know, it can't be for everyone. It's going to be for mm -hmm. a particular group of people. Right. But I think the way that I've under, I kind of understand it, is that my book is for anyone who has wondered about love, who has experienced an absence of love in themselves, mm. who has um, really believed and felt that love was more than an emotion and wondered about what does it mean to live lives of love and action that actually change their relationships or inform their relationships, which then change the world around them. So the mm. book is not just about loving self and loving others. It starts there. Um, what it's about is how do we love God, love self and love others in ways that um, create revolutionary relationships for the purpose of changing mm -hmm. the world and healing yeah. the world. And not just these relationships of uh convenience or like oh we're just gonna i think there's so much what people hear like love god love people love self it's like these like delightful platitudes we love to throw around and then i think the part that sets your work apart is like yes and also action is also a key part of this absolutely and changing the order right because so for mm. many within i think faith communities of the judeo-christian kind of lineage would say love god love others love self Mm -hmm. And I say, well, I don't know how to love something as myself, because if we talk about kind of where that comes from, it's around Jesus teaching about the greatest commandments, the first mm -hmm. and second commandment. And it's to love the Lord, your God, with your entire being, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. And for me, that means that if I need to love my neighbor as I love myself, then I've got to first love myself. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's, it's kind of... Um, challenging or or lifting up maybe a different perspective as it relates to the order mm -hmm. um, so that people can actually get to the work of practicing these things that God has gifted us with with ourselves mm. and then doing them with other people and then that informing 
again, how we love God, how we love self, how we love people. Like it's this continuation, this cycle. Right. I've been really, um, I've been listening to a lot of Ram Dass tapes recently because mm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm that girl. Mm-hmm. And one thing he said in his, I can't remember who he, I think it was like quoting Hafiz or something like that. And the line was, uh, the one who loves their neighbor um, truly loves them. The one who truly loves their neighbor sh- truly loves themselves. And who truly loves, uh, no, who the one who truly loves their neighbor truly loves God. And the one who truly loves God loves their own soul. Mm, that's and, good. And that really is, I think, I didn't realize it till a few years ago, um, but that to really truly learn to love this body that God created, like the one I inhabit, uh-huh. um, and to love uh, my abilities that I have, and to celebrate all the unique things, that, right? rather than thinking about all the shit I can't do or how I don't measure up, I'm just like, no, the only thing I have to do is be in my body and if i can learn to enjoy this experience how much more grateful can i be to my creator to god and spirit like yes i I think like you're you're really digging at that no and i i i mean i wholeheartedly believe that and i hope that people get that like Mm. this is not like this navel gazing like feel good self-soothing love about Mm -hmm. self right this is the recognition And again, I write, I mean, the other question of who is this for? I write for an audience that has some type of belief that there is a God who created humanity, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a caveat that I always say. And then in that belief, you know, for me, I say we are made in God's divine image. And so if I loathe the image that I'm in, Mm. if I haven't come to embrace all of who I am, it's really hard for me to do that with a God I can't see mm-hmm. and hard for me to do that with other people. Because how do I nurture self-loathing and hate of myself in my own being and then mm. try to speak love and life to other people? Yeah. Like it's incongruent. And it I doesn't think work. A lot of us try it. I mean, I'm one who tried it. I was married. I was, I was in a whole marital relationship mm. and you know, we were both to blame for the demise of that relationship. But my piece, I think, was really about the fact that I didn't love myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't like myself. And I was unable then to practice grace, compassion, care for my partner because I didn't even do that with myself. Yes. Man, that I tell you what, like, whenever I, when I work people, when I work with, like, different clients who say, um, I don't I, I don't know how to trust people. Or I don't know how to, I don't know how I'm going to learn to trust again. I'm just like, it's not that you have a problem with trusting other people. It's that you have a problem with trusting yourself. Kevin, that is it. That is it's it. Like, yes. It's like, you don't, you don't trust yourself like, that when something comes up, that you are going to be strong enough to stand up to it again. Yep. yep. That's really what it comes down to. Like, it's, just, it's a matter of like learning where your boundaries are, learning where your line ends and the other person begins. And if someone crosses that, like, what am I going to do? to uh, love myself through this. And by loving myself means like, do I need to change this relationship? Does it mean I need to change my environment? No, that's it. And the other piece of this is, so there are two things that you just said that like, especially for folks of color, right? Mm -hmm, My brother and I talk about this all the time. Why is it that as, you know, Afro-Caribbean people who are black in our racial kind of presentation, 
-hmm. it, it can be easy for those who look like us to not trust those who look like us. And mm -hmm. part of it is because we have been told that what we look like is inherently bad, dangerous, wrong, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So a way that I, I combat that is and combat the internalized oppression and loathing, right, is to say, no, I have to love my black skin. Yeah. I have to, to recognize that we are indeed made in the image of God, that our humanity, right, is at stake when mm -hmm. we don't interrogate those things. The same could be true about LGBTQ folks. Mm -hmm. Anyone that does not fit into what our white supremacist culture has said is yes. good or decent or right, we have to mm -hmm. actually do more work because yes. we've been taught that the skin that we're in, the bodies we're in, the, the vessels that we actually are moving in the world in, we've been taught that there's something wrong with them. And mm -hmm. then secondly, to your point about boundaries, I've been talking a lot with people about margin, right? So it's one thing mm -hmm. to think about you know, the boundary. So there's a boundary that, you know, where I end and where someone else begins. But there's also the space between that I don't mm. think we spend enough time thinking about almost as that liminal space, as the the gray space, but before the other person begins. And so this season of my life, I've been mm. thinking a lot about creating margin. So it's not just my boundary and it's not just your boundary, but there's space between us that also holds a lot. Right. Mm -hmm. And that can be almost like this. Um, I'm working on a metaphor for it. And so I'm, that's why I'm. But it, it's the space between us that we also attend to. It's not just this is where mm -hmm. Rosella starts. This is where Kevin ends. And those things are bumping up against each other. Like, mm -hmm. what does it look like to create some space? Right. And I think that space allows us to be more gracious because we're now able to look at people and and wonder about people. Right. Um, mm -hmm. In a way that maybe we didn't before. Yeah, I think that's definitely like that's that next level. Like once you, because like, like a, oh, that's good. I'm thinking like uh, the the way that it was put to me is that like uh, they say like you know build margin into your life. I don't the word margin for me sometimes feels a little tricky, and so I think about it as just like I just want to create like if myself is the space like you know that I'm uh, trying to create for is like rather than. It's like, okay, I'm going to build my life out to here and then some where I have extra stuff. It's just like, I want to start from the bottom up where that from the bottom up, I have extra space here and then everything else moves from there. So it's like, I kind of, uh, for me, I guess like what I say when I take up space for myself, one of my big practices is resting and taking naps. And I think that like, it's with other things too. It's like, if I, I know that like, if I don't have my resources, I can't give them away. And if I am, uh, if I'm not prioritizing them, um, and like, like you said, just like building that space and getting curious about the people around me. I, uh, let me ask about this real quick. This is like totally like maybe off sh an offshoot. Uh, so we love our Brene Brown. She's lovely and wonderful. And she like has this thing where it's like, people are hard to hate up close, move in. And that for me is super convicting in the way of so many people that I want to pigeonhole and like not interact with. And, and I wonder like how that feels. I mean, for me as a queer person, I hear that and it's like, I don't want to hang out with a whole bunch of homophobic Christians who are not going to respect me. Right. Not even like right. forget love, just right. respect. Right. And so I wonder like when you hear that as a black woman, yeah. what does it feel like for you? 
I mean, I'm of the mindset, and again, I too, I love Brene Brown, and I think she is, we're going to look back on this time in our history, and she, I mean, she already has some of the standing, but she's mm-hmm. going to be one of the voices, right, that right, we're going right, right. to remember. And I think that, so the realist in me, right, mm-hmm. is like, I am not going to move in close to anyone who literally doesn't think that I have the right to exist, Mm-hmm. Right. Or where my my livelihood is at stake when I, or my life is at stake. not my livelihood. My life is at stake. Mm-hmm. You know that that there's a particular amount of mitigating the risk <laughs> yes. because we don't live in a utopic society. Um, and because we honestly live in a space where white supremacy has been in the air, in the water, in the, the ethos of of who we are, especially in the country of the United States. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to to be mindful of that whenever we're inviting people to love someone mm-hmm. else. Right. Now, I do believe that the work for those of us who maybe have been on the receiving end of large scale or wholesale um, oppression mm-hmm. and dehumanization is to turn to wonder about what mm-hmm. that dehumanization is done to the oppressor. And yeah. maybe that's like the 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 level or the thing that she's saying. And I don't know, I've never talked to her about how that relates to, to folks that have been victimized and oppressed. Mm-hmm. You know, like we would never tell someone who's the victim of domestic abuse or violence to lean in, right? Yeah. No, <laughs> right, 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 right. no you, you get safe, you become safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at some point we start to look at the things that um, become a part of that person's story in order to start to understand mm-hmm. or not even understand to wrap our heads around the level of woundedness that that person must have been living with in order to be able to mm-hmm. dehumanize another. Yeah. And so I, yeah, I think it's a struggle for sure. And I don't, I don't, as someone who, who also going back to what I said before believes in love and is hopeful and optimistic I also then I'm like, okay, what does it mean? Because I also believe that that part of my work and my call is to invite people closer. Mm-hmm. But how do we do that responsibly? Ugh, man, yes. And also like how that is the freaking question. And I think that is like really um, what you said about it's the invitation, the invitation to imagine um, the woundedness of the oppressor. I think that is so spot on because I, there's just certain people that like, I know I don't care to be around and I just don't want to be around because my energy is not worth that. Like, and at the same time, it's like, um, I, my, my heart, like once, like once I'm done being angry about like oppression TM across the board, I, I, my, my second, um, feeling is always pity and sadness because I look at the, the the person who, you know, wants to call me a faggot and doesn't want to let me in their church and doesn't think that the way I love is okay. Uh, I think the way that I move into that with kind of a trying to, uh, with, you know, whatever grace I can muster is to like go to the 10,000 foot view, which is like my deep self or like my highest self, whatever you want to put it, Holy Ghost speaking. Um, but it's like, I look at that person and was like, you are under this illusion 
like that you are separate from me. And A Course in Miracles um, has this beautiful passage that I always quote, um, but that folks who like people who are stuck in a frightful dream, if you walk into the room with a bright light, they're at first going to perceive that bright light as a part of their frightful dream and will like fight against it or cover their head or look away from it. So it's until they receive the light as it truly is, until they wake up and realize, oh, I'm no longer in the frightful dream. Like, oh, you are the bringer of the light to me, actually. And so it's, it's. I just say, I'm just like, you guys, you are all on my team. You just don't recognize it yet. You're, you're part of this frightful dream. So of course you'd act like that. And it doesn't excuse the bad behavior. It does not, like, take away the pain of the bad behavior or, or even just, like, the, the death-dealing shit that people pump out. It does explain it, though. And that, for me, that explanation at least for myself, even though like, it's just like, oh yeah, the explanation is white supremacy. And I'm like, oh, I hate that. And it's like, okay, of course she would act like that. Of course she would, you know, still believe something horrible because you've never been, you've never been told otherwise. You like, because if you knew better, you would do better. And then the proof that you don't know better is in your action. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, that's, well, and here's the other thing that if you knew better, you would do better. I would mm. say I struggle with that sometimes because come on, Kevin, I know right. what I'm supposed to do to be healthy. Mm. And oh, don't drag me like this. I'm, drag- ah! I'm dragging myself. <laughs> I know what I'm supposed to do to be healthy. Mm. And how many days am I exercising? Mm. Or, you know what I mean? Like there are things, right. yes, that I do. Right. There are things that I do. So like I take I know that I need to take my meds my antidepressant, my probiotics, my um, vitamins, my vitamin D, because I'm uber vitamin D deficient. Mm -hmm. But then I also know I need to be outside and I know I need to be moving. And I don't do that. It generally isn't until we hit, hit, and I mean, this is timely, until we hit a crisis point that that we then um, actually take seriously the knowledge. Well, some of right. us, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. It's not until a crisis point. And I guess, you know, the question for all of us is, does it have to get that bad, right? Does it right. have to get this bad for us to care for our, each other or for ourselves? Mm. Does it have to get that bad for me to stop some some harmful habits in my own life? Yeah. You know what oh. I mean? Yes. It's like, and like I do it to, I'm the same way, like, uh, <laughs> like, it's only when like it's staring us in the face and like it becomes a crisis. Like, in the thing, like, if you can, I always tell people, if you can see the crisis coming, what would you like to do about it? Because like really, you could like it's possible in numerous, not always, but in many cases, to like I could do something about this. Like you know, I and um, something my friends in recovery say, will say like, are you willing to take at least 1% of the responsibility for your sobriety? And when I heard that, I was like, I'm, and they would say like, like, Kevin, are you willing to take 1% of the responsibility for your life, for your healing, for your health, for your sanity? Um, and a lot of times, like it's that thing about like the willingness is like, once we get that 1% of willingness, so much can change, but so many people uh, I don't want to say so many people. I will say people who uh, struggle, you know, with, I mean, if you struggle with trauma, like you've been through some stuff, like 
the way that your brain works is automatically wired differently. And like, you'll perceive something that is good and safe or better for you as just an impossibility. Because again, your imagination has been, you know, diminished, not destroyed, but diminished. Yeah. No, you're right. Oh, Kevin, this is good. I'm, there's so much to think about in the moment. Mm -hmm. Mm. So, if I may, like, ask more about, like, your own process and your work. When you are working with um, with people, I mean, because like, you work with all sorts of folks, whether it's, like, we're going to consult on a corporate level on how to make this place better for POC, um, to individuals do it going through, like, you know, spiritual coaching and whatnot. Um, what's your, what do you think your, what's your approach like when you're working with people to figuring out, this is like, how do we create a plan for success for you? Yeah, well, I think the major approach that I utilize is just around alignment, right? And mm -hmm. so I talk a lot about vision, beliefs, values, and behaviors. Um, a lot of times, especially if I'm working in primarily white spaces or, and this is actually not just white folks, but people who, again, have bought into the lie of whiteness and white supremacy. Mm -hmm. We always right. want to do, we want to do, we want to do, 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 right? Like there's so, we want to do, we want to just shit all over everyone. No, but like, <laughs> <laughs> we really do though. That's the truth. <laughs> but you know, we, we want to, we want to get to action. And I say, okay, let's take 50 steps back. What is the vision that you mm. are, are looking for? So whether it's around inclusion, whether it's around self-love, whether it's around leadership development, like tell me what the vision is. What is the vision? Mm -hmm. And I don't mean like your vision statement, your mission statement, but like, you know, my vision for working with women is that they come to trust their inner voice of wisdom mm -hmm. and uncover their feelings and like view their feelings not as, as bad because our feelings have been demonized, right? Don't yes. trust your feelings, you can't trust your feelings, whatever. My right. heart is deceitful above all else. But also, like, before I was knit together in my mother's womb, you knew me. Right. So what is it? Right, right. So it's, again, helping people articulate their vision. Mm. And then it's like, okay, now what are the beliefs that actually help you understand this vision? And when I talk about beliefs, I talk about your ideal beliefs, but also we have to pay attention to our informed beliefs, right? Mm -hmm. So ideally, if I'm using this example around women and, and trusting feelings, right? Or trusting the inner voice of wisdom, right. my belief would be that I'm made in the divine's image, uh, my ideal belief, I'm made in the divine's image and the divine says it's good. My feelings help me understand, you know, what's going on. Um, you know, there, there are these good, these ideal beliefs. My informed beliefs would be, well, my feelings are, or my informed belief is that my feelings can't be trusted. Or I use the example around like diversity. Ideal mm -hmm. belief is that, you know, everyone is made in God's image. Informed belief is that, yeah, but, you know, black men wearing hoodies are dangerous, mm. right? Mm. And so then yeah. we have to do the work of interrogating our informed and our ideal to then create our actual, right? Because yes. that, we need that. <laughs> we need to have mm -hmm. our actual beliefs. And then once we do that work, we start, we move into the space of values. So if my actual belief, right, is that people are made in the image of God and there are things that have happened in our lives that um, kind of halt that 
and ideal belief, but what are the values that I want to actually live by to kind of keep me tethered to this actual belief, mm -hmm. right? Um, and the values are, are things that we hold to be true in the midst of all else changing. Mm. Um, and then we move into now, how do we embody those values? Right. Right. So that becomes a bit of my methodology, whether I'm working with individuals or groups um, towards whatever outcome. Mm -hmm. And then I often tell people you can do that backwards, too. Right. You can take something you've been doing and say, OK, what is the action? What does that action tell you about what you believe and what you value? And then ultimately what the vision is, whether it's been what you wanted it to be or not. But from a mm -hmm. reflective tool, you could do that that way as well yes and then also from that being able to say like if you don't like what you see what would you like to do about it exactly mm -hmm. exactly because the other the other lie and i find that white people believe this lie way more than people of Come color on. is mm -hmm. that you don't have agency that you, you know you don't you know what like you mm. you don't have power it's funny because we want to like power is used in all these other ways, but in our own lives, we feel like we we don't have it. We don't have the ability or authority to change mm -hmm. right. our, our vision, our beliefs, our values, our behaviors. Mm -hmm. And that's a lie. Of that course is. you do. And people of color or people who have been marginalized or victimized actually are the ones who show us that that's a lie because we've been the most creative and mm -hmm. having to change their lived reality at every turn hello everyone welcome to church cast uh, <laughs> i know a lot of y'all are not meeting on sunday mornings but let this word bless you <laughs> Ooh, and that is so true it's like i i'll talk to people all the time it's just like well i can't do it right now or like i uh I don't know how to do that. I'm just like, of course you don't know how to do it. You haven't done it before, but let me show you there is a way to do it. And, and it's, it's... <laughs> wait, I'm sorry. That's like where we are right now with all the stuff happening around Corona and churches. <laughs> like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, there are people throughout society who have been doing digital online community. Just ask someone. Yeah. It's okay. You don't have to know because there are resources are all around. The abundance mentality would tell us just open our eyes and look and see and mm -hmm. we would know that we we are not the sole per people responsible for anything but again that's another lie of white supremacy mm -hmm. if you can't figure it out in your own being then it can't be figured out yeah it's like oh my gosh like the something uh course in miracles will also say is like if you would but stop like paying attention to your drama, like stop paying attention to all the stuff flying around. It's like, it's a metaphor I use with someone one time. It's like, you know when you are trying to get out the house, but you can't find your keys and they are, you know you left them somewhere smart so you wouldn't lose them. Yeah. But your apartment is cluttered and you're just running around and you're flipping things over and you're crying a little bit and you're on the phone to somebody like, I can't let my keys. And like, we're just like all freaking out. But then like the moment your friend says, hey, stop, 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 breathe. And then you look down and you realize that they were in your hand the whole time. Listen, why you, uh, that's the story of my life, especially the crying part. Oh, <laughs> me too. I also like, for me, like that happens a lot. So I got those little tile babies. So oh. I can just tell my, I was like, it's yes. like, Siri, find my, find my shit. And it's like, I got you. Um, but that's the thing is like, we're rushing around so much, like with all of these things. And like, we think that there are a zillion problems to fix. And there are a zillion problems to fix. 
and what is yours to do? Right. What is mine to do in this moment? And if and what's if my, what's the key in your hand? Like, mm-hmm. what is it that you already have? Yeah. If you weren't busy, like rushing around and trying to trying to fix something, and you slow down, you might realize that you have the solution in your hand. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's not there, it might be like somewhere plain and simple, but your eyes are darting too fast to see. Well, and this is where the other comes in, because the friend is the one that's like, hey, breathe, mm. stop, yeah, listen, okay, right? Like, that's that's a beautiful image. Mm. So that's why we got to we gotta be there for each other. We got to be friendly with each other. It's, it's like everyone's so, like, I always, I want to tell my friends, I'm just like, listen, if you need something, call me. I will help you if I can. Yeah. And it's, and that for me, like, we're so, I think we're afraid to ask for help because we're afraid of being wrong and because like being wrong is equated with being bad. Oh, it's like, exactly. Well, and then this is where, this is the work of interrogation that I get to do with clients, right? Mm-hmm. What were the messages around being wrong that you got? What does being wrong mean? Mm-hmm. What is the value that you attach to that? Right? Yes. Because like what that that notion of what is wrong and what is right, a lot of that's a construct. I mean, there's yeah. some I think there's some universal or, you know, moral and I use moral in like the universal world word mm-hmm. imperative. Like it is wrong. Well, and even that it is wrong to take someone's life. Yes. And mm-hmm. let's talk about that. Right. Is it wrong when that person is trying to take your life? Is it wrong mm. when. Like they're, you know what I mean? Like I think that we have to do more work of interrogating because mm-hmm. I don't think anything is as black or white as even those of us who have the strongest convictions want it to be. And I mm. often tell people the more that I, you know, I'll be 39 this year and I'm not old by any stretch, but I'm approaching midlife, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just given statistics and how long people live. And right, right, the right. more that I learn and experience and, and feel in relationship, the less that I know to be true without a shadow of a doubt. So at this place in my life, the only thing that I would stake my life on when it comes to faith, because I I think you can do this for any category, is that I believe that God is love. That is Mm -hmm. the only thing that I stake my life on. Now, Mm. as someone who believes the Jesus version of that story, I mean, there are beliefs that I hold, but in terms of staking my life on, and I say this Mm. to be very clear, I don't stake my life on a lot. Mm. But I stake my life on God is love. Everything else is Jesus the only way is Christian. Like all that stuff. I don't know. Like I live my life in accordance with it because that's what I say that I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, it's about alignment. So if I say I believe these things, then mm-hmm. my values and, and behavior are, are in alignment with them. But mm-hmm. I don't know. That is so tr- I was I tell people this uh, all the time. It's like, you know, I think I'm a Christian. People who look at my life might not think I'm a Christian because mm-hmm. it don't look the same. But I'm I'm in the same boat as you. It's just like I don't know much about much, but I will say like I'm with you. I do think that love can be the answer. Like I believe that the only problem is that our we believe is that we are separate from it. Yeah. Like, and I, it, it, I think it takes so much. Like when for me, like. I always tell people, like, the question that Jesus asked of who do you say that I am has always stuck with me and informed so much is, like, it really doesn't matter, like, what I say I believe. Because what I what I do, you know, what I do with my life, the kind of uh, what I put into the world, the kind of work that I do, where I spend my money and how I spend my money, who and how I spend my time with, uh, am I kind 
Like, I want to know, like, what is my, who do you say that I am? Because if you see Jesus, then great. Then I'll be a Christian. Uh, if you just see a nice guy, then sure, I'll just be a nice guy. Uh, if you see a hippy-dippy, you know, leftist, liberal, woo-woo, witchy woman, then great. Uh, I'm Satan. Uh, but, <laughs> but, it's, but it's like, I really don't I, don't, I couldn't care less about, like, getting people's, like, approval of me now. I just really want, I always tell people, just like, I just really want to love people. Yep. I know that sounds basic as f- basic, but like we still haven't got that commandment right, you know? <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Well, and and again, that which is simple is 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 really not that simple because we clearly mm. have struggled with it, right? Yeah. So when we go back to look at Jesus's teachings. I mean, yeah, Jesus was interesting because he never really answered things straight out and was a little ambiguous at times or Mm -hmm. a lot. Right. But in the stories, in the examples, in some of the stuff he said, it was like, no, if you're having a party, invite the people who other people would tell you not to invite and give them the the seat of honor. Mm -hmm. Like is that's fairly simple. And it's like we have a meltdown around it. Or, you know, love your your neighbor as you love yourself. What does that mm-hmm. mean? And we have a meltdown about, right? So I think it's like, it's deceptively simple simple and mm-hmm. stunningly um, complex in that it, it gets to the core of our own fears, mm-hmm. of our own um, limitations, and invites right. us to push beyond, right? Mm-hmm. I think a question in a lot of this too, like kind of, for me, at least, it always boils. It boils down to like, to what do you want? Right. Like, what would you, what would you like to have happen? And if your goal is, it's very interesting because like I like I always say just like if your goal is happiness, um, I can tell you that you're not gonna be happy apart from anybody else. Hmm. Like you're not gonna be like because I believe that you know if we're one in the spirit, I'm just like then you excluding yourself or saying that you're better or that these Christians are the people I'll hang out with, but not those people over there. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it just, I, I always tell people, it's like, there's an invitation for more if you want it. You don't have to take it. Yeah. But also just like, you could be happier. And like, I, it's hard. I will say like, <sighs> my own like journey, this pat these past few years, I feel like I've lived five lifetimes. Yeah. Um, but I will, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you is like, the more I, I wade into this thing, the more I'm convinced that my, the, the work is, you know, it's, it's almost like, I feel very content. Like I know there's no arrival point in all of this. Like it's, it's constantly becoming and all that shit. And at the same time, like, I know things are going to be better than they are today because, even though things suck and even though like the world is like, you know, falling to pieces. And I, I have this sense that like, there's this, it almost feels like it's going to happen like in a blink of an eye where people are just going to get it. Mm. Or at least like on like a structural level, like things might actually change. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I can hope for that and I want to, and I'm going to work for that. And that's the and, audacity of hope, right? Mm, Cause yeah. it's nonsensical sometimes. And you know, my background is sociology. That was my undergrad. And that's kind of mm. the orientation from a social sciences perspective that I view everything, even theology through. 
Yeah. The reality is, is that we have to take the long line view, mm-hmm. right? Like we are, mm-hmm. we are a blip, right? Shh. Within yeah. the, the story of history. Now, in the midst of it, I don't, I don't say that to negate or under, um, undermine or to, you know, well, I can't think of the word, but to negate our lived experiences right now. There's suffering, there's struggle, there's strife, right? There are things that we are doing that does not show that we love our neighbor or that we love ourselves, right? There are things that have monumental um, impact on people's lives. And this is a moment in history. And there have been moments in history from the beginning of history. And I think, you know, one of the things that I'm working on now is is supporting, I support faith leaders writ large, but in this mm-hmm. time of crisis and helping us remember some of the resources in our hand. One of them for many folks of the Judeo-Christian background is the resource of our faith. We believe in a faith and a story of a people that wandered through the wilderness and that were provided for and that mm-hmm. came to know themselves and their God and each other in ways that bred resilience, mm-hmm. that bred sustenance, and that that looked toward a future not yet realized, right? Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the day, for me, in all of this, the thing that actually starts to help my anxiety is, again, that step back, the whatever we call the margin, if we're not going to use that word, the space between, Right. Mm-hmm. And to recognize some of the resources, the stories, and also the ancestral wisdom. Yeah. Right? So I've been doing a lot around ancestry um, and just spending time listening to stories. And part of that is because there are people that are dying in my life. And so right. that leads you, right, to, to spend more time listening, mm-hmm. reflecting on. And, you know, my grandmother, who's currently on hospice. So my mom's mom died in 2011. My dad's mom right now is on, on hospice and every day, you know, is declining. And so spending right. time with her and recognizing this woman who first was first married and pregnant at the age of 14 was the granddaughter of sharecroppers, was mm-hmm. one generation removed from slavery, went on to birth. Right. This particular right. aspect of our family tree. And and what does that mean? What can I learn from that, right? What am I reflecting on as it relates to strength in the time of, of fear and the time of crisis, the way that mm-hmm. joy functioned, the way that creativity um, showed up? Because in these moments, yes, we need the science, we need the facts, we need the information. We also need the remembrance of who mm-hmm. we are and whose we are. Um, mm. Because I think that, that that is the stuff that speaks to and guides and encourages the human spirit and the human heart. Uh, <laughs> where's my hanky? Oh, I, oh, that, that's a meal right there. Woo! Miss Rosella. I don't even want to say anything else. I think we should stop right there. That's brilliant. I mean, there we go. What did I tell y'all? What did I tell y'all? 
Rosella Ida White, y'all. If you want to connect with her, go over to rosellahwhite.com. Get in touch with her for coaching, for consulting about racial justice-oriented things. Um, hire her to come speak at your church or at your at event or at whatever. Go buy her book, which is available all the places good books are sold. Try to support your indie bookshops in this time of need. Um, yes, it might take longer, but again, you're not supporting the empire. But, you know, do what you got to do. But, you know, let's support Rosella, um, especially. Um, and what I, what I also love about Rosella and talking with her, it was like specifically about what it is to be a coach, um, like a spiritual coach, like also like it, her work is similar to what I do in in many facets. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're someone out there who has been thinking about investing in yourself in this sort of way to help get you unstuck, Rosella might be your person. So go over to rosellahwhite.com, check out her, her offerings, read about what she's about, get in touch with her, set up a call, and uh, yeah, I think that, you know, who knows? Something delightful could happen. You never know. Um, <laughs> anyways, let's go ahead and wrap up with some credits. A Tiny Revolution is supported by 116 incredible humans on Patreon. And if you don't know what that is, it's the easiest way for you to support the people in your life who are making the content that matters. So if you like this podcast and you want more things like it to exist, um, if you like my YouTube channel, if you like my book, if you just like me in general, um, then I'd love for you to throw some coins towards the project because um, this shit isn't free and a lot of it, you know, uh, isn't self-funded. So it's like as part of my income goes to funding this because that's just how it works. Um, but yeah, so be out here. Try to support the people in your life. Not to mention there are really dope perks, including encouraging videos that go right to my Patreon community. Uh, love letters from yours truly. There is uh, swag, there is merch, there is stickers, there is interaction, there are monthly workshops that you can be a part of. What more could you want, darling? I don't know. Uh, so why don't you go on over to patreon.com slash the Kevin Garcia to learn more about that. And yeah, I think that's all I've got to say. Just please make sure you continue to take care of yourself and taking care of each other. Make sure you're taking your meds, drinking water, moving your body, telling somebody when you need help. Here's the thing. I have been reaching out to my community so much for help because my depression has been kicking my whole ass. So don't be ashamed of it. It's just depression. Um, just tell somebody. It's nothing to be ashamed of. You just have a weird brain like me. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Seriously, ask for help. You'll feel better when other people are helping you because you need it. So that, that's me to me and me to you. I don't know who needs to hear this out there, but that's for you. Anyways, I love you. Follow me across the internet, thekevingarcia.com. Please leave us a rating in Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend about the show. That's the best way that people learn about it. And uh, remember that the people who killed Breonna Taylor and uh, uh, Elijah McClain have not been brought to justice. So please figure out ways to get involved in your local community Figure out where your Black Lives Matter chapter is. Plug yourself in. Start having the conversations. It's less than 140 days until the election. We need to make sure we're doing everything we can in the midst of this shit. 
Okay, sorry, not sorry for preaching at you. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's it for this week. That's been another episode of A Tiny Revolution. My name's Kevin Garcia. And I'll talk to you next week, baby. Bye-bye. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah.